Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. So, uh, it was May 25th, 2016. It was a normal, everyday, normal, ordinary day in the New York City subway station. And there was a teenager named Nicholas Buxton. And he looked over and he saw this guy in his 30s, some kind of a middle-aged man, and he was looking not right. He looked like he was sick or something was wrong, and he was stumbling around the platform. And then the unthinkable happened. He actually took a step toward the platform in the subway, and he fell off the platform onto the middle of the tracks. This is just before a train is supposed to arrive at the station. And he's laying kind of somewhat motionless in the tracks. And Nicholas Buxton, this 19-year-old teenager, didn't hesitate. He jumped off the platform into the middle of the tracks, and he started to try to get this guy up onto the platform, but he was way too heavy for him. And so he starts calling out for help. He's like, somebody jump in and help me. But nobody does because everybody knows the train is about to come and they don't want to risk their life. And so the only thing this teenager, Nicholas Buxton, can do is he takes the guy and he's able to roll him several feet underneath the platform that overhangs next to the subway station railway. And he gets him tucked into this corner. And just as the train does arrive, coming directly out of that tunnel... Somebody reaches down their hand and pulls Nicholas Buxton back up onto the platform to safety. So not only was he saved, but he saved the life of this guy. Now this is an ordinary 19-year-old teenager. He was just getting ready to ride the subway. Ordinary guy who did something extraordinary, didn't he? He saved the life that day. Well, today we start a brand new series we ended FAQ, and so now we have to move on. And today's series we start is very simply called Ordinary to Extraordinary. For the next couple of months, June and July, we are going to be talking about people in the Bible who, because of God's presence in their lives, move from just being an ordinary person to doing extraordinary things. And so for the next couple of months, we're going to focus on some amazing people who are just ordinary people. They're like you and I. But they do extraordinary things because they have God in their life. And so today we're going to start this series by talking about a guy named Paul. The Apostle Paul. Have you heard about the Apostle Paul? I bet you have. He wrote most of the New Testament. <laughs> He's credited with that. He wrote most of the letters that we actually made into books in the Bible. But the Apostle Paul, the part of the story that I want to focus on in Paul's life is not when he was known as Paul. I want to focus on his life when he was known as Saul. So when I say Saul and I say Paul, I'm talking about the same guy. Just so that we don't get confused, right? Saul, Paul, same guy. Saul is really the guy that he's known as before he becomes a Christian, before he becomes a follower of Christ. Paul is what he becomes known as after he chooses to follow Christ. But I want to focus on the story before. And as I share this story, I want you to focus on two phrases today. You're going to hear these phrases a few times today. If you get nothing else of, out of today, I want you to hear these two phrases because these two phrases, if you are a follower of Christ, pertain to you. These two phrases are called out and sent out. called out and sent out. 
What you will find as a follower of Christ, if you look at anybody in the Bible, if you look at, talk to any person who is a follower of Christ, there's a pattern to how God works. He doesn't work the same way, but there is a pattern to it. And what God does is God will first call you out, and then he will send you out. He'll call you out, then send you out. And it doesn't just happen once, it happens over and over and over and over again. And so as we go through Saul, Paul's story, think about these two phrases, called out, sent out, because that's what his story is really all about. So I'm going to jump right in. We're going to jump into the book of Acts, chapter 9. If you'd like to follow along, I'm going to be start in Acts, chapter 9, and then I'm going to jump to Acts, chapter 13. So you can go ahead and get there if you want to follow along. It'll be on the screen as normal. But I'm going to jump right in, and it starts with this story telling us a little bit about who Saul is as a person, what he's about. All right, here we go. Acts, chapter 9, starting with verses 1 through 2. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. So just so you know, when it says followers of the way in the New Testament, it means Christians. It's followers of Jesus. That's what they were called. They were not known as Christians back then. We're known as that now, but not back then. They were known as followers of the way. Right? So that's what it is. Christians, followers of the way. So he wants to arrest them and kill them. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Okay, so Saul, just to summarize, Saul is clearly not a follower of Jesus at this point. Is that pretty obvious? Not only is he not a follower of Jesus, he's a Jesus hater. He hates Jesus and he hates anybody who has anything to do with Jesus. He is. That's why he wanted to arrest them. That's why he wants to kill them. And he's asking the high priest for letters to give him authority to do this from the religious authorities of his day in Jerusalem. And so now Saul takes off and he has a group of guys with him and they're on their way to this region called Damascus to arrest any Christians they can find, followers of the way, as they said it, and bring them back and hopefully execute them. That's his goal. So now we pick up the story. Let's see what happens. Very next verse. As he, that Saul, was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up. And go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. So Saul has this incredible, miraculous encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Now, what, let me just kind of, I'm not going to read this, but I, I want to just summarize what happens next. So next what happens is God goes to this follower of Jesus called Ananias. His name is Ananias. And he says, Ananias, I need you to go meet with this guy named Saul. And Ananias is like, uh, God, 
Saul, I heard, is coming to arrest Christians and kill us. And you want me to go to him. That doesn't make any sense. You know? And, and, and God says, no, I need you to go talk to Saul. And so Ananias goes and he talks to Saul. And you know what he does? Ananias leads Saul to Jesus. He tells him all about Jesus. He, he says, this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus wants for you and, and your life and all that kind of stuff. And, and Saul gives his life to Jesus in that moment. Isn't that amazing? And so Saul, just catch how much of a dramatic shift this is. Saul goes from one moment on the road going to Damascus. He's going to arrest and he's going to kill Christians. And now he becomes one. That's pretty amazing. It's, you can't have more of a transformation than that. Saul goes from killing them to becoming one of them. And immediately Saul starts going out and telling as many people as he can about Jesus. Now, in this moment, Saul is being called out by God. Did you catch that? God called out, Jesus called out to Saul, and he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you going after me? Why, do you, why are you living this way? I want you to live a different way. We're going to go a different direction. I'm calling you out. And Saul had to listen. Now, I don't know about you, but most conversion stories that I hear when people come to, to know Jesus, God didn't force them to be blind and do all these kind of things. Like, he didn't do all that stuff. But he did for Saul. He called him out in a very strong, very powerful way. And so, sometimes God will call you out. And he's going to call you and say, are you living the way that I want you to live? Is this the direction you're going to go? Because I have a different way. I remember uh, when Laura and I were public school teachers in North Carolina. This was right out of college. Um, let's see, it was, it was actually three years out of college. I'd been teaching a public school teacher at the high school for three years. Laura's teaching third grade. And Laura and I went to an evening worship service at a church in the area where we lived in North Carolina. And we were in the worship service. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I was sitting in this worship service, and I have no idea what the pastor was talking about. I'm sure you guys never have that problem with your pastor. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. So you guys don't have to deal with that, but I was dealing with that. Okay, uh, I'm just kidding. The, the truth is, uh, the pastor was doing a fantastic job. He was doing a great job. He was preaching all stuff. To this day, I have no idea what he was preaching about. I really don't. And here's why. I don't know why God chose this moment, but God, in that moment, we were sitting in this evening worship service, and I was just sitting there, and I couldn't really hear or, or really even experience what was going on because God's presence, the Holy Spirit, was just so intense in my whole body. I know this is kind of weird, okay? but this, I'm just telling you exactly how it is. And I was sitting there, and, and God was speaking to me, not in an audible voice, but speaking to my heart, to my soul. And he was making me tremble. You know when you're cold or you're scared, and you can feel like you may not be physically shaking, but you're trembling inside? That's what it felt like. I knew it was not physical, it was spiritual, but it was manifesting itself physically. I was spiritually trembling. I was not doing this because Laura was sitting right next to me. She had no idea this was going on. I told her late, right after, of course, 
But, but she didn't know in the moment that this was happening. And I'm sitting there, and God is trembling me spiritually and physically. I'm tingly all over. And I'm not even hearing what's going on because I know he's trying to speak to me, but I don't know what it is. I just know I'm scared of it. Well, you know what he was doing? Two months later, I figured it out. God was beginning to call me out and to stop being a public school teacher and to get into ministry for the rest of my life. He was beginning to call me out. He was saying, Brent, what you're doing is okay, but it's not great because I've designed you for something different. And so God called me out in that moment, and we began doing classes and starting to do all, you know, chase all those things down. But the truth is that God will sometimes call you out. He'll call you out. If you're not a follower of Christ, he's going to call you out and say, hey, will you choose to follow me? Will you come with me? Will you accept me? Will you kind of turn your life to make sure you're going with me? But then he will do it again and again. I had already chosen to follow Jesus. But Jesus called me out again and says, okay, this is great. I'm glad you're a teacher, but that's not what I have, the plan that I have for your life. I'm calling you out. We're going we're gonna to adjust life here for a moment. And that was a big shift. Because I don't know about you, but teachers, it's like you kind of have your thing. You got your 30 years and like the retirement and all the thing is set. And like we were already 40 years in. I had 26 years left. I don't know if you realize this, but pastors, we basically don't retire. <laughs> There's not much of a retirement plan there, I'll just tell you that, right? It's not 30 years, woo, put in my time. It doesn't exist. I'm like, ah, God, I don't know. There's a lot to consider here. God calls us out to do things that we would not normally want to do or choose to do. But you have to listen because it's better than what your plan is. It is. I know some of you may not believe that yet, but I'm here to tell you, whatever your plan is, God's better. It's true. And God called us out. Now, as a church, we have to do this all the time, too, as Northridge Church. We have to listen to what God is saying, how he's calling us out. This is why we just, uh, three months ago, had the Yes Capital campaign. Believe it or not, that was a whole calling out thing. God laid on my heart, Joshua 3, 15 and 16, and he put this, this verse of Scripture on my, on my mind, and this is where this moment where the Israelites are standing on a flooded Jordan River, and on the other side, God says, there's something for you over there. It's the promised land, but they didn't know exactly what it looked like. They didn't know how they were going to take it. They didn't know how it was going to work out. They just knew there's something special that God is calling you over there, but first you have to cross a flooded river. You have to get over there. And what God didn't do is he didn't stop the water for them and say, okay, I, I made dry ground for you. See, it's easy. All you have to do is walk across it. That's not what God did. What did he do? He said, first you need to step into the flooded river, and then I'll show you what I'm going to do. Well, I didn't understand what God, why God laid that scripture on my heart. I really didn't. I, I didn't. Until we started realizing, okay, you guys know, we've been praying, we've been looking for land and looking for a building for a long time. And we've been praying about that, seeking that, intentionally going after that. And God made it really clear that, Brent, you and your church, I need you to step into the flooded river before I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. 
You've been praying, you've been seeking, that's great, but I need you to take a, a really serious step of faith. And can I just tell you, as your pastor, when God says, you need to do a capital campaign, I'm like, but God, we don't know what the building looks like. We don't know where the land is. It's, I, I, I'm just being honest. For me to say yes to God and, and say, like, let's do a capital campaign, and then people say, well, what are we raising money for? Well, um, there's something really cool that God wants to do. Right? I mean, you guys know, I talked about this. We know that we're supposed to step into the river. We know we're supposed to cross the river. We know God has something for us. But I can't show you the picture of it in the moment. So you want me to just step out in faith with you and put our money where our mouth is and faith and all that? Like, yeah. And so that was a scary thing. God called us out as a church. But we had to listen. And here we are. And you guys know, science and math, remember we hired a company to help us do this? And they ran the numbers and they said, at the most, the highest number you can probably raise is $600,000. That's what they told us. But you guys know what happened. God helped us raise more than double the high number, $1.38 million, which is amazing. It was awesome. The reason I bring that up is because, two reasons. One, if you're curious about the Yes campaign, we have bright green bags back there. Take one. We have plenty of them. Take them. If you're wondering about what all I'm talking about, I'm not going to go any deeper than that. Take one of those things. See what God is wanting to do. Okay? It explains all of this stuff that we talked about in the Yes campaign. But the second reason I bring that up is this. Because when God calls you out, He will equip it. He will. When God calls you out, I'm just telling you, I was scared. I was trembling. I wasn't, I wasn't doubting, but I was like, God, this is kind of a big deal. And God says, trust me in this. If I'm calling you out, I've got your back. And he wasn't just saying that to me. He's saying that to our church. Okay, God. When he calls you out, we need to listen. But God doesn't just call you out to sit still. God calls you out to send you out. God calls you out to send you out. And that's exactly what happened to Saul. Listen to the next part of the story. So Saul, he, he becomes, goes from being a Jesus hater to a Jesus follower. And Saul begins telling everybody he possibly can about Jesus, which is what, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's one of your purposes in life, is to help as many people know who Jesus is as possible. Point people to Jesus. That's your role. That's one of your missions. Point as many people to Jesus as possible. And Saul starts doing that all over the place. But then he and a few other men were in a worship service, and God speaks really clearly to them. Listen to what happens Acts chapter 13, verses 2 through 4. One day, as these men, Saul is with them, were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul, catch this phrase, for the special work to which I have called them. They've called out. Now, guess what's going to happen next? So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and, what's the word? sent them on their way. 
So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. Just catch how amazing this is. Saul goes in a matter of, we don't know, it may have been a few days or a few weeks, uh, maybe even a few months, but it wasn't that long. Saul goes from wanting to kill Christians to becoming a follower of Jesus to now worshiping in a church service to the Holy Spirit saying, Barnabas and Saul, I want to send you out to tell as many people about Jesus in this part of the world as possible. And you know what happens? Not too long after, they're on a ship and they're sailing across the Mediterranean Sea to the island of Cyprus. It's like sent, called out, sent out, here you go. Now I have a map of this. This is really cool. Basically what happens is Paul, obviously Saul, but he becomes Paul. Paul and Barnabas and some of the other guys, they start traveling around. These are the four missionary journeys that Paul went on during his lifetime. And you know what's really cool is all of those dots, almost all of those dots ended up, because of Paul and because of the guys that were with him, telling people about Jesus, you know what happened in those little towns and those cities, those communities? New churches were planted. Brand new churches became realities there. So now there's not just a church around Jerusalem. Now there's a church over here in Antioch. And now there's a church over there in, you know, in Rhodes. And there's a church over there. Oh, there's churches everywhere. All of a sudden we have little pockets of, of followers of the way that are worshiping Jesus all over that area. And you guys know what happens. Eventually it takes over the Roman Empire and eventually it takes over the world. All because Paul was called out to be sent out to do a special work, something different, something new. I remember, remember that first service I was just talking about where I was physically trembling there was a moment four years later, Laura and I got into ministry. We moved from North Carolina to a large church in North Dakota. So we had been called out to be into ministry. I'd already jumped into ministry. I'd been hired by a church to be a children's ministry pastor. Okay? Some of you are like, man, you were teaching kids. Like, wow, God can do anything. <laughs> But I was, I was the children's pastor at this large church, and, and, and so we were doing that. But we were, we were about three, three and a half years in, and then all of a sudden I started to feel that physical and spiritual trembling thing again. I was like, oh, I know what that is. God is calling me to do something different than what I'm doing now. Again, in the moment, at the time, I didn't even know what it was, but I knew I was scared of it. I told my lead pastor. You can ask Steve Norby to this day and ask what I told him. And I said, Steve, I don't know what it is, but God is calling me to do something different. I don't even know if it's from this church or different from this church. I don't know what it is, but I'm scared of it. So if you just keep praying for me. So absolutely, I will. Well, a few months later, we knew what it was. So I started praying. We started seeking about, you know, job opportunities and like, God, is it a different job? Is it a different church? Is it like, what does it look like? And so God brought us six options, six job options. This is what he did. He gave six. I'm like, man, six options. This is awesome. Thank you, God. This is, you're amazing. Like six options on the table of jobs that I can have. And then this is what God did. Okay. I had those options for eh, probably a couple months, two, three months, something like that. And then God said to me very, very clearly, again, not audible. I just, he spoke to my heart. I knew it. And God said, Brent, I need you to call five of those options 
the ones who are in charge of that, and you need to take your name out of the ring. No, no, God, you gave me the options because then I have options. You guys have, you guys have like plan A, but then you also have in your back of your heart, the back of your mind, you've planned ahead financially, everything else, plan B, C, D, E, and whatever. That's how I roll. I like backup plans, right? Because backup plans are just smart. They're wise, right? And so I have option one, but I have option two, three, four, five, and six. I'm like, this is great. And God says, no, no, no. You only have one option. I gave you six options so that you can give the other five up so you know who's in control. Thank you for that, Lord. I appreciate that. And you know what the one option was? Was planting a church in Dane County, Wisconsin. It was the option, which was not an option for me. It's like, you're doing that. Which is why I'm standing here today. See, God calls you out to send you out. He doesn't call you out to keep doing life as normal. God calls you out to change direction, and then he says, I'm going to send you out again and again and again to do special work, to do new things, to reach that new person, that coworker, that neighbor, that friend, that stranger that you don't know. I'm sending you out to reach them with the love of Jesus. Now, this is why I bring all that up. This is a big day. Northridge. It's because we have some big news today. The truth is we have to continually be believing that God is continually calling us out to send us out. And we as a church need to keep doing that. We need to take, take, keep taking risks. We can't just sit around and be like, man, we're doing good. The gym is awesome. The village center is great. We have to keep asking God, what are you calling to us to next. So I'm going to invite Pastor Nick and Leah to come up and join me up, up here on stage. They're going to grab a microphone because they're going to, they have some, they're a part of this. And I know this is like, what are we doing now? Like, Brent, you're supposed to just keep preaching for another at least, well, you always go late, so 25 minutes probably. I get it. I understand. But, uh, this is Pastor Nick and Leah. If you don't know them, Pastor Nick, we hired Pastor Nick a couple years ago uh, to be over community and, and, uh, and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I, I can't even give him the list. It'll take too long. Other uh, duties as assigned. Other duties as assigned. Um, I will, uh, I, I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to just say it. Uh, pastor Nick is a little bit of a GCD pastor. We call that getting crap done. Seriously. Like, seriously, we're getting stuff done. And uh, he does that. Uh, and, and that's just kind of ministry a little bit anyway. I think we all, we all have that. And uh, Leah is his awesome wife. And they came here a couple of years ago, and they've been serving at Northridge uh, ever since. And so they have some big news that really ties directly to what, everything I was just talking about. Being called out to be sent out. So, Pastor Nick and Leah... Go ahead and share. I think Pastor Nick, you're going to start, but 
yeah, share yeah. share what's God's been doing to yeah, you guys for, for the last few months. Thanks for having us up here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so as Pastor Brent just shared, about two and a half, three years ago, we were transitioning out of our last role at our last church up in Rice Lake, Wisconsin, to move down to Northridge to take a new job in the middle of the pandemic, to move to Dane County in the middle of the pandemic, and to start a new thing in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> and that was really exciting. But about that same time, God began to stir a little bit in our hearts as a couple about what might it look like to partner and to do more ministry together as a couple, which we were really excited about. We came from a bigger church where there was a lot more silos and everyone kind of did their thing. But as we were moving down here, we were considering what it would look like to do a new thing together. And at first, the new thing was Northridge. We were coming down here and excited to serve together at Northridge and get connected here. Um, but we still had this stirring of being called out to maybe something different and new. So we wanted to explore what that might look like. And so we started to work with a coaching couple who started to work with us to consider, well, what are your giftings? What are you wired to do? What are the things that God has specifically equipped you individually and together as a couple? And through that conversation, we started to ask questions like, okay, God, so if you're calling us out, what is it? What does it look like? Where are we going to do it? What is it? All those questions. But we knew one thing, that there was something stirring in us. And about, gosh, I would say, Brent, probably about a year ago, maybe, I sat down with Pastor Brent. We have a weekly one-on-one -on -one meeting where we just talk about ministry. And I had a similar conversation with him as he had with Pastor Steve Norby. And I said, Brent, I don't know what's exactly what's going on, but I know God's stirring something in us. And just love to share that with you and start to pray about you with that. And he said, that's awesome. Guys, I'm super excited for you. Let's continue to talk and pray about what that might look like. But as you know, that was about a year ago. That was a long time ago. And so along the way, as we were working with that couple and talking to one another and praying and seeking after counsel, we started to consider, might it look something like having a gathering or like maybe more like a church? And when you do that and you talk to people within our denomination, which is the Wesleyan Church, uh, they want anyone, anyone, who, anyone who, who, who is considering that maybe it might look like that to go through something called the Church Planner Assessment Center, which is a really amazing, I'm being slightly sarcastic, thing where they put you through a battery of assessments, psychological profiles, marriage counseling, behavioral interviews. He's not to, joking. You have to preach. You <laughs> That's have to what they do. You have to interview with somebody for like two whole days, and they ask you a million questions. And the goal of that session, which we did in Michigan last November, was to consider, are you individually and as a couple equipped to survive the journey of planting a new church? And God is amazing, and they said that we are. And after that news, uh, something really cool happened. So that experience for us was really helpful to know, you know, how we're wired to better understand each other as a couple uh, in ministry. But also, it was really affirming for us as a couple that, yes, this thing that God might be calling us out to do, it was affirmed not in God's plan, but in our marriage as a couple. Like, we were excited to step out into that space together. And once you do that, you pass the Church Planner Assessment Center, you have to actually put all those ideas and prayers into a plan. And we started to do that. And that involves actually saying, well, what is it? What does it look like? Where is it? And what are you actually going to do? And how do you believe that you might pull it off? 
And a lot of that, you can't just say, well, God's going to do it. Because God is going to do it, <laughs> but they want to know what your plan is going to be. And you we, can't sit in your recliner. You can't sit in your words, recliner and, and say, God, go, we have a great idea. Get, Would you please it done, do it God. for us? Yeah. So it involves us too. <laughs> so that plan started to come together. And two major things happened in that process. Well, three. The first one, which was the most important, we were doing a lot of praying and seeking after counsel together, talking to a lot of people who have done this before, including Pastor Brent and Laura. And also the where and the what. So the where was something we were honestly pretty excited about. We, are, we love being in this area. We feel a lot of roots here. I feel like this place is going to be home. This area is going to be home long term. And God was pretty clear about Madison, about Madison being the place. And as we were considering after what it is and what is it called and what are you going to do, we were praying and seeking after counsel from someone who we love and trust very much. And we were just praying and talking, and we believe the Lord gave us a really prophetic and special word. And he said, the fruit of the tree is not the fruit, it's an orchard. And so it says in John 15, we have to abide in Jesus and only in him can we do all things. And it talks about bearing fruit when you abide in Jesus. But it says in Mark 4.20 that when you're abiding in Jesus, you can seek after a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 times. It's this really cool prophetic vision about a church that seeks after sending out people and planting other churches, like not a fruit tree, but an orchard. And so, that is our big news today. We are being called out, and we'll talk more in a sec, and sent out about planting a new work called Orchard Church in Madison, Wisconsin. It's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, here's, here's the thing, right? This is awesome. Ministry is always a mixture of like, woo, awesome, and like, oh, wait a minute, this sucks. Right? It's kind of like a family that, I, serious, I'm just being honest with you. I, I, let's be transparent, right? Because we're like, woo, and we're like, wait a minute, you know? Seriously, that's, what, that's, that's the conundrum, isn't it? And this is, there's a family that's getting ready to leave Wisconsin. They're moving to another state. And, uh, and this is what I told them. I said, well, congratulations, guys. I'm so excited for the new adventure and all that kind of stuff. And I said, but I don't like it. <laughs> you know, that's what I said to them. I said, I'm just being honest. It sucks because I'm not going to get to see you all the time. And if I was going to be honest, this is both awesome and sucks. Right? We've talked about this. We've been real. We, we've already dealt with this. It's awesome and it sucks. It really does. What's awesome about it is that we as a church and Nick and Leah as a person and as a couple, they are going out and they're called out, they're sent out. They're going to do what God wants them to do and they're going to reach people for Christ. That is awesome. There's no question about that. But then that also means that like we don't get to do ministry like every day together as much. Right? And now you might be wondering like, okay, are they gone tomorrow? Like, is this it? <laughs> is this the last Sunday? No, that's not, that's not how it is. That would be awful. <laughs> You'd be like, yes. Nick and Lee are gone. Okay, see you later. That's how that works. No, that's not how it works. So what, here's, here's practically how this works, because you're probably wondering this, and this is good. Okay? You maybe never been a part of a church that actually plants another church. And by the way, what Pastor Nick said is really important. That prophetic word is really important. A lot of people, they want us, a lot of people at, at Northridge, we want to build the biggest tree possible right here. But that's not our mission. 
Our mission is not to grow the biggest, best tree that, that puts all other trees to shame. That's not our goal. It might be other churches' goals. <laughs> Don't say any names. But that's not our goal. Our goal is to promote Jesus the best way we can to as many people as we can. And what that looks like is our tree being as big and as healthy as it possibly can be and also replanting ourselves so that we are not a tree, we are an orchard, we are a forest, we are a force to be reckoned with everywhere. Amen? Okay. And so what this looks like is Nick and Leah, they're going to be here for a while over the next year-ish. We don't, we don't have dates like nailed into the dirt, into the concrete. Eh, we've got, we're close. But over the next year-ish plus, what we're going to do is we're going to teeter-totter Pastor Nick officially. And, of course, that goes with Leah as well. <laughs> but we're going to teeter-totter them. So Nick is full-time, like 100% salary, 100% hours. And so what we're going to start doing is he's 100%, and then eventually he'll be 80%, 20% orchard. And then 60 and 40, and then 40 and 60, and then 20 and 80. Does that make sense? And we're going to slowly transition this because it'd be a shock to my system to lose the GCD pastor. Because <laughs> there's still some of that stuff to get done, right? All the time. And so we're going to teeter-totter this for Pastor Nick and Leah. Leah, you guys maybe don't know this, but she does a ton of behind-the-scenes work, graphics and social media and just tons and tons of stuff for the women's ministry. So, so this is a big teeter-totter. But here's what's awesome about it is they are going out and we are sending them out to plant, replant ourselves. And it's going to become known as Orchard Church. Isn't that awesome? We're giving birth, so to speak. We are planting new trees. And that could not be better, right? This is amazing. This is awesome. And so you might be wondering, well, what does that look like for us as a church? Well, what that looks like is people and money. That, that's what it looks like. So we are going to be open-handed. We're not going to be like, um, so you guys, I hope things go well. Just don't take any of our stuff. Right? Let's be honest. Like, you start wondering those things. No, what we're going to do is, Pastor Nick and Leah, they actually have a table back there, and they're, they're going to talk about this in a minute. But you, if you are curious about this, if you feel God is maybe stirring your heart in something like this, and, and reaching Madison, all kind of stuff, then you're going to talk to Pastor Nick and Leah, and they're going to talk to you. And so our church has already committed some dollars to them. We don't know what the exact number is, but it's, it's going to be a good you know, financial commitment to them that we're going to help kind of get them started because I don't know about you, but it takes money to like rent a facility, for example. You know, those kind of things. So we're going we're gonna to help support them at, initially, financially, but then there's also going to be people that are going to go from Northridge to go help them. If God is calling you out or sending you out and it's with Pastor Nick and Leah, that's what you need to do. And so as they talk to you, they're going to have events, they're going to do some things, and they're going to share that. But that's kind of what we're doing. Now, if you're worried, by the way, a lot of people, you know, they might ask me about this. We just got done with a capital campaign. We raised $1.38 million, right? And you're going, well, what happens to that money? Like, does that go to Orchard Church? And the answer is no. You know why? Because we promised to you that that was for a future home for Northridge. So that's important. Because they're even, they're even talking to, like, they're talking to people who've made two-year commitment to Northridge to, you know, financially. And so they're clear on that. We're good on that. Just so you know, we are good. We're good, right? We are. This is awesome. 
But just so you know that we are making things very clear because it's important, right? But here's the thing. This is exciting. So, uh, Leah, I think you're going to share, like, the question becomes, I think, what's next? So if you can just kind of briefly share, like, what's next uh, in light of all this. Sure, yeah. Um, I just want to recognize that this is a lot. So just know that we are reading the room, and it is um, it's something that we're not taking lightly. Um, and so as we move forward, we know that God is um, so good to so gently uh, nudge us. So if you're not feeling compelled in the moment, other than something, you know, to tell us how you feel about it, in all honesty, um, it could look like something that's very different down the road. So just trust the process and trust God's heart in it. We've been going through that for now over a year, I guess. So um, for what that looks like in the near, t- near future, though, we have two information sessions coming up rather quickly, actually. We have one this Wednesday night, which I know is uh, kind of short-term notice, but they will both be at the Wanakee Public Library from 6.30 to 7.30. Uh, this Wednesday, June 7th, is the first one, and the second one is June 20th. Um, and so those are just two opportunities for you to come, ask your questions, be honest about how you feel about everything. Um, we can take it. And uh, just, yeah, we would love to hear your hearts and, um, and also just give you all the information that we can. We think transparency is really valuable and really important, um, as Pastor Brent just said. And so we would, we'd love to just um, give you all the hugs that need to be hugged. And um, <laughs> that's for me personally. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just help, help explain what does this look like? What are the logistics? Why is it not called... Uh, Northridge or Eastridge or, you know, any of those uh, (laughs) questions that are bubbling up in your head. So come join us. If you can't make any of those sessions, uh, seek us out. We'd love to just sit down and have a conversation, um, do some coffee and get all those questions answered. So no question is a bad question. And uh, second Secondly, but most importantly, um, one of the ways that you can support and one of the most important things is through prayer. Uh, We are seeking, well, more than 500 would be great, but our goal is 500 prayer partners as we go through this. Um, Prayer is the ultimate conversation between God and us, but it's also an opportunity to contend for the people that you love. And so we believe that we cannot do this um, without prayer and without a lot of it. And so we are asking um, for that initially. And so there are two ways that you can kind of put your, you know, put your hand in the ring. There's going to be a table in the back. We have two sign-up forms, or I'm sorry, one, one sign-up form for if you want to be a prayer partner, if God's stirring that in your heart right now, um, just throw your email and your name down there. We won't bombard you. We'll just keep you posted on Uh, what's happening over the next year or so, the needs that we have, the prayer requests that um, we need from you. And so that's one way that you can get involved uh, right away. And then there is uh, some cards back there also that you can find. Um, Sorry, I'm like, (laughs) thank you. See teamwork. There you go. There's They're a, just there's so a, good. Uh, there's a QR code. You can sign up to RSVP <laughs> for either of those informational meetings. Um, and again, if you can't make those, just let us know. We're happy to set up an individual conversation with, with anyone. So I think that's it. So That's awesome. We're going to have dessert at both of those meetings. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You are incentivized. There you go. Like that. There you go. That's awesome. 
So, I, I, like, this is obviously big for our church, right? Because this is the first time for us to replant ourselves. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll just say this, you know, Pastor Nick and Leah, like, I'm just so excited for you guys and for our church and for Orchard Church and, and what our hope is. It's very simple. It is extremely simple. We hope that far more people come to know Jesus as a result of Northridge and Orchard and every other thing that come, happens and comes out of this. Because this is not just two trees, you understand. This is going to become an orchard. That's why we're here. It is not this or that. It is all. And we're going to reach people for Christ in whatever way we possibly can. And it's going to be awesome. All right. So uh, can we just congratulate these guys in listening to God and what they're going to do? So we will, in the future here, we will have like an official kind of commissioning, a really serious sending out, but we wanted to get this word out there so that they can start talking to people. Otherwise, it would have been weird. Like, what are we doing? You know? And so we wanted to let everybody know so that they can kind of start talking and you can start talking to them. And so we'll have an official like commissioning, sending out when they get closer to kind of one of their official things that they start as, as Orchard Church. Uh, and we're going to keep you uh, updated and posted, but this is going to be awesome to see this, this new tree planted and begin to blossom and grow. And uh, we're going to stay connected to them. We're going to do all that stuff, so it's going to be awesome. So, but before I let them go down, uh, I want to pray for them right now in this moment. And so would you, you can do one or two hands or whatever, but just would you kind of focus your thoughts and prayers with your hands. Just reach your hands out toward uh, Pastor Nick and Leah as I pray for them, all right? Just everybody in the room. Here we go. God, I thank you for Pastor Nick. I thank you for Leah. I thank you for their heart, their passion. God, I thank you for them listening very clearly to your voice. In this moment, God, would you just uh, once again encourage and infuse them with your power, your grace, your salvation, your joy, your love, not only for them, but for the love that they have and that they will have and that they need to have for all the people that they're going to reach in your name, Jesus. People that are going to come to you as a result of this new tree that is being planted. I love that prophetic word that you gave to them. It is not about a tree, it's about an orchard, God, that we are reaching as many people as we can with the love and forgiveness of Jesus. And so, Lord Jesus, may you go before them. May you plow the road ahead of them. May they, when they come against obstacles or barriers, may they realize that you have called them to break through them. But God, we also pray that you would break some barriers ahead of them so that when they start talking to people, when they start connecting with people in Madison, in the city of Madison, may you begin to break down walls so that they would come to know you and would have salvation in their life that would change the direction of where they're going and their eternity forever. As a result of Orchard Church, I pray that multitudes would come to know you as Lord and Savior, and they would find freedom for their souls. God, go before them. 
We know you called them out, and now we're sending them out. And we look forward to what only you can do in them and through them. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Give them a hand one more time. Thank you guys. So, big news. You've got questions. You've got concerns. Cool. That's fine. We can handle that. Pastor Nick and Leah can handle that. This is an amazing thing. So talk to them if you're curious, if you want to know just more about, if you want to be prayer. I would encourage you at the minimum, at minimum, everybody can pray for them. We need everybody praying for them. Okay? So get involved. Talk to them. See what God wants you to do. And we look forward to what only God can do. Amen? All right. We're going to go into our last worship song, and it's the one that we sang before. It kind of pertains to this. So join me one more time in prayer. God, we thank you for what only you can do. We thank you for planting trees. We thank you for planting new trees. We thank you for not just planting one tree, but planting an orchard. God, this, this church that you called to be planted in Wanakee is now going to be planting into the city of Madison. And people don't know what's coming. They don't know what's about to hit them. That's awesome. God, you have called us out to be sent out with your love and your message and your forgiveness and salvation and freedom. May we bring as many people into eternity with you as we possibly can to your kingdom to sit at your table. This is what we live for. This is what we long for. This is why we exist. So help us now as we end our service today to sing that, to shout that, to praise that, and to pray that. That this is what we live for. This is what we long for. To be sent out, to be on fire for you. We pray this and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.